You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. Up and down, up and down, down. All right, so um, before we gotta get into the, our message time, you've got to do some work so you can have something to think about. Um, so I'm going to give you about three or four minutes to do what I'm about to tell you to do, and then a video is going to hit, and we'll get started after that. Cool? All right, so in, in not the first or last windowsill, but every other windowsill, there's real thick pieces of paper that's like a full sheet of paper. Get one of those and a pen, find some space, do the top part. you got three minutes, go. Hey, Drew, why don't you play us something so it doesn't get weird in here? Thanks, man. Work quick. You don't have much time. Just the top part. Just the list of names. Leaders, you're going to want one of these, too. seconds. Don't overthink it. There's two of those. I just want you to write initials, not entire names, so nobody gets their little feelings hurt.
Come on, come on, come on. I really need you to have this done. I really need you to do this. Really need you to do it. Get something in every blank. Something in every blank. see your hands if you're not done. Uh, all right, 30 seconds. Y'all are just sitting there talking. 30 seconds. Let's go. Come on. 30 seconds. What the other has to say Reminiscing this and that And having such a good time Oodle lolly, oodle lolly Golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger In the water they were drinking They just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff And his posse was watching them And gathering around Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest Jumping fences, dodging trees and trying to get away Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it Oodle-lolly, oodle-lolly, golly, what a day Oodle-lolly, oodle-lolly, golly, what a day I love that commercial, man. I love that because I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I love, I love videos of animals being silly. I don't know why that's my jam, but that's what it is. Man, that, that video speaks to me because there's something inside of us that gets it, that, that all of us, man, we, always, we all want to be connected to somebody. We all want to have a best friend. We always have we want somebody we can be ourselves with and we can like dance to Justin Bieber songs with and nobody's going to judge us, all right? You long for like that kind of level of friendship with another human being. Even our romantic relationships, we want those built off of that kind of friendship. There's, there's something inside of us that's just made for that. I remember my first day of kindergarten. How many of y'all remember your first day of kindergarten? Very few of us remember this. I have, I have vivid memories from like way back in weird, like I remember preschool and stuff. All right, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you about my first day of kindergarten. Uh, I remember it was, um, it was, it was a beautiful day. 
And they, they sent us outside pretty early in the day to go to, to recess or whatever. So, I'm, so I'm, I remember being at recess as a five-year-old at Woodland Forest Elementary School, my very first day. I didn't go to preschool with any of these people. And I remember going out there and as a little tiny, shy, introverted five-year-old, I, I, I mean, I, I remember being very aware that I didn't have a best friend. I didn't have a bestie. I didn't have anybody I could talk to. I didn't have anybody that we could see who could go higher on the swings or whatever. Um, I, 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 and I wanted a friend. So I, I, I remember thinking, th- thinking it through, like, I really don't want to do this, but I've got I've to go make a friend. So I made my way over to this, like, little low play fort thing, one of the ones that you can play on when you're five and not break your arm off, right? And so I went over there, just kind of a low play thingy, climby situation, and I went to this kid, and uh, this kid had a, you know, happy-looking face, so I was like maybe this will be my friend for life, right? And there's a lot riding on the situation. I remember the pressure. I remember thinking like, I don't know how long kindergarten lasts, but it's probably like my entire life. So I gotta, I gotta nail this so I don't mess up literally all social situations um, forever. So I went up to this happy, happy-faced uh, pudgy kid on the play fort thing, right? And the little skinny, tiny kid. There's a big kid. He's up on top. And well, the kid is on top. He is debatable. Um, which we'll get to. And so and I, I look at him, and him, he is a him, and uh, I said, uh, uh, what's, hey, what's your name? Hey, hey, what's, what's your name? Like only five-year-olds can do, they just walk up and just say random stuff to people. Hey, what's your name? And he says, Pat. Well, I had never met anybody named Pat. It's an odd name. It wasn't Patrick. It wasn't Patricia. I didn't really know what to do with that. And so I kind of stared there in confusion for a minute and just kind of looked at him. I said, I need to go ahead and clear this awkwardness up because I'm not really sure like if I'm making friends with a girl here or a boy. I really wanted a boyfriend. Not really sure what's going on. So I'm just going to go ahead and just, we'll go ahead and like broach the awkward, you know, we'll just go ahead and get, get into that. And I said, um, so are you a boy or a girl? That was my second line behind what's your name? Trying to get in like the, like get my social situation all the way through high school set up, getting the right crew, you know, get my squad set, you know, there in first day of kindergarten. And I said, hey, what's your name? Are you a boy or a girl? And this, uh, this big old kid um, turns and like, just like gives me all of his attention. I did that, like has nailed your eyes when I did that, just like that. And that's what he did to me with this shocked and angry look on his face. I'm a boy, right? Like, I was like... Bye. Right? <laughs> Me and Pat went to high school together. We were never friends. I messed it up like in seven seconds. <laughs> never recovered. Like, couldn't, couldn't get a handle on it. We, we want best friends. We want people that we can connect with. There's something that God has put inside of each one of us that is built to connect with people. We all want that. Every one of us, no matter how, like, I'm a lone ranger. I'm just all by myself. No matter how, how, no matter how you're built, you still want to have people you can connect with. We want, we want best friends. God's placed this thing inside of us um, that's built for deep connections with other people. We want people to want us, right? Don't you want somebody to want you? We feel this whenever you, um, we're, you're like playing a, a sport or maybe a pickup game of football or Frisbee or something and you're gonna pick teams, right? And that, that anxiety washes over. No matter how good you are at pickup football, you still have a level of anxiety about the whole picking process. Because you, you don't, you don't want to be left out. You don't want to be the last one standing there. I want to be wanted. Anytime your teachers, like, like right now, your teachers say the, the phrase, hey, pair up, 
You're, it doesn't matter what she's saying after that. You've grabbed the person next to you with like that death grip. Like, you will not leave me. I will not be alone, right? Like, you're mine before somebody else can snag them because somebody's gonna get left out and they've gotta be buddies with that kid. And you don't wanna do that because you wanna be wanted, but you wanna be wanted by the right people, right? You don't just wanna be wanted, you wanna be wanted by the right people. Somebody that's, somebody that's you know, like, that, that's cool, cool enough to meet your parameters, right? That we, we want to be wanted, but they got to meet our criteria. Can't just be anybody in the room. It's got to be the right people. We want to be wanted by the right people. So we got our criteria. It's got to be cool enough, right? So they're, like, they don't bring down your social standing or something. You don't, want, you don't see like juniors in high school making friends with eighth graders and like, my best friend's in eighth grade. You don't, they're, not, they're not cool enough. You got to have somebody that's in your kind of realm of reality, okay? And you, you, you have to be honest about yourself. I'm, you know, I'm like, a, I'm like a six on the cool level, so I'm going to try to find like a five, six. You can't find an eight because they're going to make you look bad. We've all seen the movie Duff, right? Like you, you don't want to be that kid, so you don't want to shoot for the stars. You got to get like your specific person who meets your criteria. Right? I want to be wanted. I want to be wanted by the right people. They can't be too cool. They can't be too pretty. But they also can't annoy me. All right? I want you to be loyal, but I don't want you to be clingy. Right? I want you to, I want, you to want to hang out with me and us have a good time. But if you kind of get weird and like I'm your only friend, then I don't want to be your friend anymore because this is really about me and my well-being. Because we want to be wanted. We want to be wanted by the right people because we want what's best for us. That's how we, that's how we are. That's, that's how our world works. And biblically, that's not really an option for us. Biblically, that's not really an option for us. See, Jesus, um, when, you, when you meet Jesus and when you understand what he did and what he's called us to do in response to what he's done, it, it, he changes the question. Jesus changes the question from how can I get a best friend to how can I be the best friend? So as we're finishing up our goals series tonight, we're talking about best friend goals. And I think for a lot of us, our best friend goal is to have the best possible friend for us. I want a best friend who's gonna connect with me and make me feel good and happy and like I've you know, got somebody to connect with, but it's really about me and my fulfillment. Our best friend goals all center around us and our good. And Jesus pivots that question and changes it from how can I get a best friend to how can I be a best friend? See, everybody gets to live selfishly until you meet and choose to follow Jesus. You get to live selfishly until you figure out how he lived and that you're gonna follow him. Then you don't really get to live selfishly anymore. Think about what he did. In Matthew 20, uh, verse 28, Jesus is talking about himself in third person because he's God and he can do that. You, you cannot, you are not cool enough. He's God and he can. So Jesus is talking about himself in third person and he says, the son of man, that's Jesus, the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus talking about himself. He's like, hey, I came here not to be served. I didn't come here for you guys to, to like worship me. And like, I, I mean, ultimately, yeah, we were, we're called in that. But it's like, that's not, that's not exactly why I came. I didn't, I didn't come for the praise. I didn't come for the glory. I came to serve. And not just serve a little bit, not just kind of help out. I came to give my life for all y'all. He's stating his purpose for coming. His purpose wasn't for his good. His purpose was for your good. So he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for you. That's what, that's what he did. God left heaven. He left heaven. He came down here for the express purpose of serving a bunch of messed up people like you and like me. 
He didn't just do a little bit. He came down here with the intention of giving up his life for us. Jesus isn't the kind of guy that serves a little. He served everything he had. Paul understood this. He, he got the gravity of what, what Jesus had done. Paul was a, just basically a terrible person, like just bottom line. He was just an awful guy. Ended up writing most of the New Testament. And how do you get from terrible guy to writing the entire New Testament, or not the entire, most of the New Testament? It's, it's meeting, he met Jesus and his life was crazy, like just radically, radically changed. He was walking on this road to a place called Damascus and, and, and um, Jesus had died and ascended. He was back in the right hand of God. He's back in heaven. And, and basically um, God shows up and this blinding light hits Paul and this voice from heaven, Jesus. And he's like, hey, why are you messing with me? See, Paul, Paul was hunting Christians, was hunting down Christians. He was a Christian hunter. He was good at it. And his entire goal in life was to imprison and see Christians punished for their faith. He was complicit in the death of Stephen. Like he was like the host of a murder. He was like the guy like handing out stones when people walked in. It's like, would you like me to hold your coat? Here's your rock. Go kill that guy. Right? He's a terrible person. And he meets Jesus and everything changed because Jesus gave his life for a terrible person like Paul. And Paul got that. And he understood he didn't get to live the same way anymore. So on all of Paul's writings, over and over again, this concept comes up of, of what we do after we meet this servant, Jesus. And living the way we do and having friendships the way we have friendships isn't an option Paul gives us. Our main passage that we're going to look at tonight, uh, if you want to go there in your, in your Bible, that'd be awesome. It's also going to be on the screen and stuff. Um, but... I like you to look at your Bible, okay? So if you, have, if you got a Bible on your phone or something, scroll to uh, Philippians chapter two. That's where you're gonna be going. Um, we're gonna talk about verses three through eight, but we're gonna talk about it backwards, all right? The first part, verses three and four tell you what to do, but verses five through eight, five through eight tell you why you're gonna do it, why you're supposed to do it, why you should do it, all right? So we're gonna talk about the why first because I like knowing why I do things, and then we'll talk about what exactly we're supposed to do. Okay, so you there? Philippians chapter two. All right, beginning in verse five, we're gonna we'll kind of we're gonna read together, but we're gonna talk as we go. So he starts off. He says, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped." So basically, the saying is, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." That basically just means think like Jesus. Think the way Jesus thought. Okay, so think the way Jesus thought. This is how Jesus thought. He was in the form of God that he was, that means Jesus was God. But he didn't count equality with, thing, equality with God a thing to be grasped. What that means um, is that Jesus was equal to the Father, had every right that the Father has, was always with the Father, was created alongside the Father, got to sit in heaven like with, with the Father, had all the glory, had all the privilege, had all the honor of getting just to be in heaven with the angels and just constantly being worshiped. He had that equality with God, but he didn't cling to it. Jesus didn't cling to his position. That's, that's the gist of it. That Jesus didn't cling to his, to his position. That he was willing to, to leave the glory and leave the honor and leave the position and, and this exalted position he had in heaven with the Father, was willing to leave all of that Instead of clinging to it, was he willing to let go of all of that to come down here and slum it with you? That's the gist of it. He didn't count equality with God something to be, to be clung, uh, clung to or grasped. He left heaven to come here. So it goes on. He says, but instead, he emptied himself. 
That basically means this, that, that Jesus um, gave everything he could possibly give for you. He gave everything of himself he could possibly give. He didn't, he didn't hold anything back. He didn't serve you. He didn't give of himself with some reservation. He didn't say, I'm gonna give a little bit and see how much they give, and then I might give some more. Maybe I'll meet them halfway or something. He gave everything he could possibly give all at the same time. He emptied himself. There was nothing left to give. So he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He took that form intentionally took it. Like if you go out for a role in a play, if you're gonna go out for the, uh, the lead role in your school play or something, you have to sign up and you go to the audition and you learn the lines and you do the thing because you want to have this role. Well, Jesus didn't have any competition, right? So he just took the role. He intentionally chose the role that he had, which was to save you, to come and rescue you. He took it, he intentionally chose that. So he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, means he looked like a person, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Um, when we choose to serve people, that takes some humility. When we choose to give of ourselves on behalf of somebody else, that takes a little bit of humility. Like every week when y'all thrash the chapel commons and, and me and the interns, we go through and we clean up all your mess and we wipe it all up for you and we throw everything away. That takes some humility. We're, we're serving you, so we serve as your brownie smushed picker-uppers, all right? So we humble ourselves a little bit to pick up your junk for you. This is all a plug to stop throwing stuff on the floor. But still, if you do, I'll pick it up for you because I love you, right? So we humble ourselves enough to pick up your trash. Jesus humbled himself enough to be beaten and mocked and humiliated and nailed onto a cross and bleed and die in public. And then uh, um, that's how much he was willing to humble himself for you. I'm okay with picking up brownies. I like you that much. Uh, he went a little bit further than that. So he humbled himself um, to the point of death on a cross. And he thought it was worth it. So that passage begins, says, have this mind among yourselves, the same mind that Jesus had, where there's this emptying of self, where there's, there's no holding back, where there's this willingness to, to humble yourselves to the extreme, to whatever point that it would take. He's like, hey, you gotta think like Jesus thought. And so if Jesus thought like that, what are we supposed to do? If this was the way Jesus behaved toward us, how are we supposed to behave toward those around us? What do we do? Go back to verse three. Go back to verse three. Verses three and four say this. Do nothing, nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. There's a lot packed into those two verses. And this is where we're gonna get very, very applicable, very, very like actionable, where you're, I'm gonna give you, I hope that you're gonna be able to write down some stuff, all the blanks at the bottom of your paper, they're about to come right here. Do you gotta fill all that stuff in or you're gonna be very confused in a minute, okay? This is where you have to do something about the fact that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. You have to do something with the fact that he emptied himself on your behalf, all right? So in light of what Jesus did, what do we do? The first thing it says is uh, do nothing from selfish ambition. Selfish ambition basically means this. It means climbing people like rungs on a ladder. That's selfish ambition. Have you ever been used like that? 
Has anybody used you to like get to a boy or get to a girl or something? Has anybody ever used you to make kind of like up their little, their popularity game a little bit? Have you ever been used like a rung on a ladder? That's selfish ambition. And most of us have been used like that. And most of us do that with other people, whether we like intend to or not. In a lot of your relationships, it's, it's selfish ambition. You're, you're trying to get something out of that. You're trying to climb a little bit higher because you've got this relationship. So you pursue a person so you can, pursue a, can you, you, so you can gain a position. Remember, Jesus didn't consider the position something to be clung to. Selfish ambition is climbing people like a ladder. So that question one up there on your, on your paper is this. Which of the people on your list do you use for your good? It's on the screen up there. So question one, fill that in. Which of the people on your list do you use for your good? I'm not really not, maybe, yeah, I like you and you're nice and whatever, but really I, I want something out of you. The reason I'm nice to you, the reason I spend time with you is because I want something from you. Which of the people on your list is that? We'll get, we'll get to what to do about that in a minute. The second thing he goes on, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. You may not use the word conceit very often, all right? So here's, here's basically what conceit means. Conceit means you think you're the stuff. Fair? You think you're awesome. I'm so great. I've got it all together. Man, I'm, I'm reasonably good. I'm a, I'm a solid seven, right? I'm reasonably good looking. I'm not stupid. Like I can like get some okay, decentish grades. I'm pretty good at a sport or a band or something. I've got some pretty cool friends. Like we're like, we're like three quarter cool. I mean, we're, we're doing okay. I'm the stuff. Some of y'all think you're just hundred percent everything and you're just amazing. Well, you're flat conceited. All right. So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. This is how this plays out with us. This conceit thing, this comes out when you hear yourself say things like, I deserve better. You ever heard somebody say that about another person? I deserve better than them. <laughs> I'm way too good to hang out with them. I'm not even gonna talk, like, you're not, dude, you're not even on my level. Like, I deserve better than you. This is this idea that you deserve better than another person. They are not good enough for you because you are that awesome. They aren't good enough for me. So your question for number two is, which of the people on your list do you look down on or treat like they're less important than you? Some of you are really happy you didn't write down some names. Which of the people on your list do you look down on or treat like they're less important than you? That one stung me a little bit, y'all. Just gonna be honest. You done? All right. He continues, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Really? Count other people to be more significant than yourself. This is the idea of Romans twelve ten. I don't think it's on the screen. Uh, Romans 12, 10, just listen to me. Look at, put your eyes on me just for a second. Don't, don't miss this. Romans 12, 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. There's this really crazy phrase, outdo one another in showing honor. It's a cool phrase, right? Outdo one another in showing honor. 
So I like analogies and stuff. So I try to think of who in our culture do we honor the most? Who do we ascribe the most honor to? Like they walk into a room and everybody just honors them. You think of the thing about like, well, maybe, <clears throat> maybe like the president. Well, nope, we got the Obama, like thanks Obama memes and stuff. Like we don't honor the president of the United States. Why we make fun of the guy. So, and, okay, whatever. So not him. So who do we, who do we honor just unequivocally? Just where we outdo, all of that phrase, outdo one another in showing honor. You know the only person I can think of on earth? Beyonce. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like other musicians that are, yeah, I'm gonna say it, just as talented as Beyonce, call her Queen Bay. Like, she's not your queen, you weirdo. Like, what are you talking about? I, I get on like, you see like the Vines and Instagrams and stuff of like Beyonce walking out of the gym trying to like disguise herself and like some lady over here on the sidewalk like figures out it's her and like they start like weeping and like falling on their knees and stuff. I'm like, is everybody drunk? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it, right? But we do, I mean, but like, man, that like surprise Beyonce album dropped and like if you said anything bad about it on Twitter, you just got flamed. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Like the entire earth is like, Let's ascribe all honor and glory and power and might to Queen Bay, right? Outdo one another in showing honor. So <laughs> when it says consider others more significant than yourselves, look at me, hang on. When it says consider others more significant than yourselves, here's what I want you to read when you say that. Treat people like Beyonce, all right? Let's read it again with a Beyonce in the Bible, okay? Because she's Queen Bay and she deserves to be in there apparently. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others like Beyonce. Is that clear? Is that better? Good, good. We're all on the same page. Question number three then, fill this in. How can you show honor to each person on that list? How can you treat each person on that list like Beyonce? All right, got it. Cool. How can you show honor to each person on that list? <clears throat> and then he finishes up, verse four. Let each of you, each and every single one of you, let each and every single one of you look not only to your own interests. Yeah, you gotta take care of yourself. Like you should take care of yourself. That's important. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the idea of 1 Corinthians 10, 24. This is not on the screen. You gotta look at me. Don't zone out. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own good. Let no, that's, a, that's an intense verse. That's an intense phrase there. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So the question number four, fill this in. How can you bring about good this week for each person on that list? How can you bring about good this week for each person on that list? How can you look out for their good? So down there on the next little part where it says on your own. In just a minute, we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give you like 10 minutes to work on this. And, and you're gonna just spend some time sitting there by yourself without talking to anybody or nobody's gonna talk, nobody's gonna work together. It's not a group team up assignment, okay? Don't grab your partner next to him like, you work with me. Don't talk to them, okay? So here at the bottom, this, the on your own section, this is what you're going to do. In that 10 minutes, um, go, Drew, go ahead and put the 
on your own thing. All right, so um, fill all that stuff in, write all that on your paper, all right? So circle the names of your answers for number one. So all, all the people for number one that you use for your good, that you climb like a rung on a ladder. Like if you're only nice to your mom so that your mom will continue giving you gas money, okay? Then you put a circle around your mom's name. She won't know why if she finds the paper. That's why it's kind of ambiguous here, okay? But if your best friend's sitting next to you, I want you to circle their names. So you need to go sit over there. Like you need to go like move so you can be by yourself and be honest with it. If you go throw it in the trash immediately after this, I'm totally okay with that. I just want you to physically circle the names of the people that you use for your good. All right, and the second one, you put a square around their name. So you put a square on the names of the people that you think uh, that you look down on or treat like they're less important than you. So if you got a circle already, then you put a square around it, double up if you need to, okay? So put a square around the names of the people that you think you're just better than them. And then you get to do three and four. So out on the side, I left you all that space over there on the, on the right side. On the right side, you're gonna answer three and four with specific things for each person on that list. Because Christ left heaven and humbled himself enough to die on a cross for you and you are not worth that. You're just not. You didn't earn that. You're not good enough for that. And he chose you anyway, did it anyway. So you get to figure out how to humble yourself enough to do three and four. Show honor to each person on that list and, and uh, bring about good for each person on that list. I want you to write two separate things for every, all 12 people. That's 24 items. It's gonna take you a minute, okay? You're gonna have to go quick. You're gonna have to think actively and, and, and work through it, okay? Do you understand what's going on? If you, don't have, if you don't have an idea of what's going on, ask somebody, ask an adult. You can ask me if you want to, okay? So I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna get into it. So the bottom line here tonight, in light of what Christ has done for us, we need to start asking ourselves how we can be the best possible friend to those around us. We're, none of us are hitting the mark. So hopefully this exercise right here can get us started moving in a direction where Christ would have us go. Okay, let me pray for you. I want you to spread out and don't talk during this. Drew's gonna play some music for you so it's not weird and you'll have 10 minutes to work, okay? Let me pray. God, thank you for the time that we have together um, to look into your word and, and to be convicted by your word. God, um, I pray that we would be better people, be better friends, that in light of the gospel, in light of what you've done for us, that we would find it in us to be people of humility that show honor and that bring about good for those around us who don't count, our, count ourselves better than them, who don't consider others to be less than us or to be used for our good. But God, help us to figure out how we can actively and intentionally treat people the way you treated us this week. In your son's name I pray, amen.